What uh, radio show is this? The Sean Teshner Show, of course. When's that? Where's that? From 1990 to 1999, I worked as a bankster. Notice the term I used, bankster. After nine years of working in banking and seeing the corruption that was going on, I finally decided to switch careers, and I ended up going into construction and then teaching. And what I learned in banking was that banks made money off of other people's money, and that if a person complained loud enough and long enough to the right person, he or she would get what he or she wanted from the manager just to make him go away. Decisions were made based on how much was it going to cost the bank to hire an attorney per hour, say 500 an hour for a corporate attorney, to defend some lawsuit that might be brought against the bank. And I found out that the public eventually ended up paying for it, depending on the interest rate spread and the different tiers that were charged for interest, depending on what kind of customer they considered you to be, either top rate, middle, or at the very bottom. And, of course, in bank speak, we all have specific terms for people who are bottom feeders and all the way up to the rich. Definitely marginalized, definitely like a class system. And the one thing that I learned was you don't get it for free. And I lost the faith I had in banks and in the banking system, especially when I figured out the games that they played with people's lives and people's money. But that's all changed. That was 25 years ago. Here it is, almost 2020. And we're still dealing with the same kind of games but it's all been just relabeled and repackaged in a different way. And the customer's the last person to know what's going on. So we're going to talk about that today, why a person should not put money in a bank, if at all possible. I just leave every month a little bit in just to cover bills, but the rest goes in my pocket or I spend it on people or things I need or things that are going to come in handy as one would say, for the next zombie apocalypse. And that could be any day now. And maybe to buy some new parts for my time machine so I can jump in it and get away before the apocalypse hits. And so I've been inviting people to call in today with their horror stories, good or bad, regarding banks, even credit unions. And let us know what it is you've experienced. And we'll put it out there. We encourage our guests to call us at 425-247-8827 or to send a text or an email to trashner at hotmail.com. That's T-R-A-S-H-N-E-R at hotmail.com. Good luck, brother. That sounds like a really, really cool topic. I hope you get some interesting comments. And the phones are lighting up. Let's go ahead and take our first call here on the Sean Tester Show. 425-247-8827. You've reached the Sean Tester Show. Go ahead, John. Yeah, uh, I got an experience with a bank about 15 years ago. I, I wasn't quite that long, maybe 10 years ago. At any rate, I got a check 
found a uh, insurance company with a settlement that I'd had when I got hit by a log truck, and I wanted to pay off a car. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is, is I just put deposited the check, wrote another check to pay off the car, and then weeks later, like three weeks later, I called up the uh, financing company and, no, we haven't got a check. And I'm like, what's going on? Hmm. That was it. And so what I did is I started doing some research and I found out that what they do is when you have a large truck like that, the government has to uh, look at it with a microscope and they hold it you know, to make sure it's legitimate. And I thought, and I thought this is ridiculous because I got it with a check that I got from an insurance company that I got from a settlement claim where I was injured. Yeah. I, I, I never trusted the banks or the you know, or the whole financial system. Well, let me, let me share something with you, John, that you may not be aware of or our listeners. Um, if you look at the top of most checks uh, that are issued from banks, you'll note that the uh, banks are actually owned by insurance companies. And uh, that's where insurance companies like to park their money tax-free. It's the same with 401k savings accounts. Uh, all that the government does is allow them, private people, to go ahead and loan you money and then force you to pay it back at gunpoint. You want to withdraw money early after putting it in, say, a 401k savings account, you're going to get taxed at 50%. And the reason they do that is they don't keep your cash on hand in the bank. They loan it out to make more money. And then if you're coming up to yeah. You come up and you, you you demand at the counter, hey, I want my money back, and I want to withdraw early. They say, no, you know, we've already loaned it out. Now we're not going to make any money on the money that we borrowed from you. So we're going to penalize you and make you pay us 50% up front, 50% interest. So basically they get a tax break from the government, and they get to park their money under your Social Security number, and uh, you end up the loser. And they don't explain this to people, Okay. And, yeah, you're right, it is about fractional reserve banking. Go ahead, John. No, no, that's fine. I just, I know they have these uh, uh, withdrawal reporting requirements, so if you take out, like, what is it, $10,000 in cash, the bank elder is required to fill out a suspicious transaction form. Not that I have to worry about that, because I don't have that much money. Well, in reality, in reality, John, um, it's it's twenty five hundred now, and um, that, well, that's if you're leaving the country. If you're going to take cash out and leave the country, then yeah. And again, they rewrote the banking law a few years ago during that first big uh, QE one and QE two quantitative easing bailout program that the government came up with. They rewrote the banking law so that. You are no longer a depositor if you put money in their banks. You are now a creditor, basically taking the same risks as they were in trying to make money. And they've now declared that you're a partner in the bank, and therefore you take the same risk in making money, and you take the same loss. So your only remedy is to file bankruptcy if you've taken a loss, and they will provide you with some sort of a loss sheet that you can turn in to file bankruptcy with if the deposit you lost is large enough. But they don't tell you that. you got to do your research. And it's yeah. to protect the Fed and all the rich guys because all of their derivative 
investments in the stock market went south and people wanted their money back right away and they didn't have it. They had already spent it. And basically banks became a casino at that point because Congress was heavily lobbied and they made a law saying that if you put money in a bank, it now belongs to the bank. You were part of the Ponzi scheme, part of the casino. And if you, if you lost money in the bank, well, it's the same as losing money at the casino table. Too bad. And the same goes with safety deposit boxes. People think that their money's safe in a vault in a safety deposit box. In a national emergency, the government can order the banks be uh, closed, and you can be literally locked out of your safety deposit box. And then they will go in on a weekend, and they'll drill out all the locks on the boxes and confiscate all the precious metals and cash and other precious jewelry that people have in their safety deposit boxes. And they'll claim it's because you're trying to launder money or hide it from the government. And so they use the IRS and the tax laws to seize your your stuff, and they say that it was parked in their bank, and they're not getting paid to protect your stuff, so they're going to take their cut. Same with negative interest rates. You know, they want to charge us to protect our money that we put in their banks. That's a scam, too. I guess you should call them not those safety deposit boxes, huh? Exactly. Well, John, I keep saying to people, take your money out in cash, only leave enough money in the bank to pay your basic bills every month, and then, you know, uh, go buy precious metals like gold and silver. Now, here's the key. If you're going to buy silver, keep in mind that if the market crashes and people are poor overnight, not everybody's going to have change for a $500 gold piece or a uh, $20 silver round. You need Roosevelt dimes. Those are the best things to have. They're 90% silver. Everybody recognizes them. They're easily transportable. You don't have to carry a whole bunch with you. You know, you can just take from your staff when you need to. You can bury them in the backyard, in the mayonnaise jar if you needed to. 1964 or older. Yeah, anything made prior to 1964 is 90% silver. In fact, I believe nickels had silver, too, in them. And uh, some people feel the same way about collecting pre-1982 copper pennies because the copper is actually worth more than the penny. Two and a half cents to produce a penny, and they're actually worth almost three cents in their copper value. The government made a law that you couldn't melt down your pennies because, you know, then people would sell the pennies for the metal weight and make more money. <laughs> well, John, appreciate your story about banking. Again, what, what are your ideas for protecting your financial assets? Well, you pretty much stated it. Okay. I mean, I would probably buy precious metals and then keep them in your own possession. Don't put them in a safety deposit box or keep them with any storage company. I mean, go out, I don't know, bury it in your backyard, you have to, whatever. I mean, just put it somewhere where you know where it's at for safekeeping. I would not trust them with anything else. Yeah. Yeah, and pay off pay off any debt you have on credit cards ahead of time. Uh, don't have I, – I go by the third, third, third rule. Put a third away for bills, a third away in savings, and a third to pay off your debts. That way, if you have a market crash, you're still not going to lose 100% of what you had. And that just makes perfect sense. Okay, John, well, thanks for calling the Sean Texas Show. I look forward to hearing from you again. Now, do you want to go out with a flush, or do you want to go out mafia style? Okay, here we go. Hey, Polly, I need to tell you again.
you know what to do. And the board's lighting up. We're going to go to our second call-in guest, Slugo Rigor. Slugo, thank you for calling the Sean Tesher Show. Sam, marvelous. Well, Slugo, do you have any horror stories from banking, or do you trust banks? Well, I am very selective because uh, I have never seen, and I was shocked to find out that in the United States of America, if you have a savings account or a checking account, they give you less than 1%. Uh, uh, unlike in the Philippines, do banking in the Philippines and you get a sizable um, interest rate uh, on your on your on uh, patronizing the banks here. It's almost nil. It's almost nothing, and that's a shame, you know. Yeah, it's especially your... it's especially shameful because most of these banks are privately owned and they they launder money for the mob and for city well, governments and such. Yeah, well, it's a prerogative, it's a capitalistic country, but at least the people who patronize them and uh, entrust them with their hard-earned dollars should get a little more than just one or less than a percent. You know, that's shameful. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. In the Philippines, try going there, they give you anywhere from 5 to 6 to 7 percent uh, interest every year or every month. Here, there's almost nothing. You know? Well, what's the incentive? <laughs> what's the incentive for the rich guys who own the banks uh, to take your money and make money off of it for you when they can make money off of it for themselves, and then just suggest that you go get into their next scheme, which is the stock market, where you'll earn the big interest, quote unquote. But now, you know, they they passed a law a year or so ago in Congress that uh, if you put your money in a bank, you're no longer a depositor; you're a creditor. That means that they can hand you a bankruptcy notice and you lose all your money that you put in there. Uh, if you're stupid enough to put it in there, it's just like a casino now. Yeah, it, it, it's, not, uh, it's not customer friendly. The banks here are not customer friendly. They, they are very cruel to the uh, poor working man. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you uh, break your bank or work your tail off and then you deposit it to your bank account, and they even put a limit of the amount you can put in their banks, because if you don't hit a certain threshold, they will exact uh, 5 to 10% out of it and penalize you. Wow, what kind of uh, banking system is that? They're not friendly to the poor working man. Well, try, no. try recovering from a bunch of say 10 bounce check fees that are 30 bucks each and you got what how much 10 bounce checks times 30 about 300 bucks yeah, or more that's also the same they're yeah. very cruel yeah they're very cruel uh i hope uh, something is done to be kinder to the working man or to honest hard-working law-abiding people you know true yeah anyway anyway sean now talk to you again i'm in i'm, okay. I'm in in a meeting right now, but come around and let's talk, okay? Do you, do you want to be flushed or do you want to go out mafia style? No, it will be open. You want, you, want us, you want us to send you out mafia style on the show here? Or do you want us to flush you? Pick your sound effect from the sound yeah. effect ear candy vault. <laughs> yeah. Or we can have no, zombies man. stomp you to death. <laughs> yeah. 
Pick one, Manon. Okay. Uh, zombie, zombie. Uh, we're, we're all overworked, uh, poor, uh, um, uh, uh, poor followers and victims of the system. So we all become zombies. All right. We'll send you out zombie style. Here we go. The zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Sean Teshner Show, of course. When's that? Where's that? Okay, I'm, we love you.